We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, February 16th, following the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams. The Rams ended up, ended up coming out on top 23-20, and with that, you said the 2021 season is officially over. We are done with the 2021 season, and now we're just fully on to 2022 draft season. Uh, how are we doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. I think this was a really intriguing season, just the 2021 season in general, because I think that there's a lot of things that the Bears kind of went ahead and saw, and a lot of things that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, being a first-time GM and head coach, could certainly learn as they attempt to get the Bears back to relevancy here. Yeah, and and sticking back to that 2021 season and what – the new regime led by Ryan Pohl and Matt Eberflus can learn from this season. I want to go back and, and talk about the Super Bowl a little bit because, you know, it, for one, it was an exciting game to watch. I felt like going down to the wire like that. Uh, it was nice to see Matthew Stafford uh, get his first Super Bowl. I know he told away for a while um, in Detroit, you know, some of the Hall of Fame talk with him. I, I don't want to go like too much on that rabbit hole with this podcast today because uh, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, but a little bit ridiculous for me when it comes to the Hall of Fame stuff, but it was really nice to see him kind of, you know, validate himself as as a quarterback for all those years wasted in, in Detroit. Um, nice to see the Rams, Aaron Donald, Sean McVay finally get their first Super Bowl win there. Um, but, you know, the reason why uh, I want to use the Super Bowl here is because when you look at the Rams and the Bengals, I think both of these teams kind of laid out different lessons that can be learned by Ryan Poles, Matt Averflus's Bears organization in general, about how to build their team moving forward. Now, of course, Poles coming from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and Eberflus coming from the Colts, they both have seen different ways to build competitive teams, especially Ryan Poles seeing a a team that won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, he was a big part of that, of course, you know, with him being a a huge part of the scouting department and especially in the college scouting department, kind of drafting some of those big names um, that were the core of that team that won the Super Bowl in Kansas City. So, I mean, you look at that, and Ryan Poles is a guy that knows what he's doing coming from a winning organization. But I, I think when you look at the Bengals specifically, the way that, you know, they build their team around a Joe Burrow, you know, loading up uh, with weapons for him to throw to, like uh, Jamar Chase in the draft this year, having a guy like a T. Higgins, the, who they drafted in the second round last year, um, some of the other weapons that they have on that offense. And, you know, what they did in free agency this past offseason – you know, going aggressive for guys um, in free agency. I look at a guy like a Chidi, uh, Chobe Awuzie, a uh, cornerback for them, Trey Hendrickson, a defensive end for them, who had a really nice season once again as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, different moves like that to kind of put themselves in a situation to where this is a comp- could support a young quarterback. Um, 
you know, it was fascinating to watch the Bengals kind of build this thing out. Like, you know, they don't have a perfect roster. That offensive line is, is pretty brutal to watch when you look at them uh, on a play to play basis, you know, and that was something the Rams exploited. But um, first of all, for you, you said, what are your takeaways from uh, the Super Bowl here and, you know, that game in general, but also some lessons that you're taking away from how the Bears can kind of build the roster moving forward as we get into the offseason? So I want to start with just my takeaway on the Super Bowl and then I'll get into lessons learned. But I think the big takeaway was that, you know, winning in the trenches still matters. And you can't necessarily offensive line is one of those positions where you can't sit on your hands and just hope that whatever is on your roster is going to be good, especially if you have a young quarterback back there. And let's just be honest with ourselves too. You know, it's not just exclusive to these young quarterbacks, the offensive line, the importance of it. I mean, yeah, Joe Burrow was the most, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL this season, but there's also something you said for Matthew Stafford who consistently throughout his time in Detroit dealt with bad offensive lines. And it's no surprise that as soon as Matt Stafford gets traded to the Rams, I understand everyone talks about what Stafford's done in 2021 with Sean McVay and then having wide receivers like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I know Woods was lost to seasoning and injury, but then they brought back, I'm sorry, they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. halfway through the season. And everyone talks about those being the reasons that Matt Stafford was allowed to excel. You have to give credit to the big five guys up front that really have been the core nucleus of this Rams offense over the last couple seasons. But I think, you know, the big lesson to learn is this. And sometimes I kind of hate flashing back to the Ryan Pace era, but what I find to be interesting is that it's completely relevant in this argument, because if you look at the way that Ryan Pace tried to build the bears over the last seven years, he was perfectly fine with, going all in in free agency and being aggressive in the draft and hoping that free agent acquisitions and mid-round picks would essentially pay off. And, you know, investing so much money into star power on the roster, just hoping it would pay off. Now, why do I bring that up? Because if you look at the Bengals, they kind of did, and the Rams too, I should say, both these teams kind of did the same thing, right? in the sense that the Bengals went out and they basically sat on their hands when it came to the offensive line. They were like, yeah, we know we have a need there, but we're confident in the five guys that we have up front. And then they supplemented that and basically rebuilt the entire defense through free agency by, and some pieces in the draft. I mean, they have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Trey Hendrickson, one of the best free agent signings of 2021. They went out and they got Eli Apple, who I know is getting roasted by everybody, but I think Eli Apple, he still played a pivotal role in that AFC championship game. And I mean, they went out and they brought in a couple of good cornerbacks too. I know Trey Waynes was a name signed by Cincinnati. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, like everyone kind of talks about T Higgins and Jamar chase and Jamar chase is the name for the Bengals outside of Joe Burrow. But I also think we have to give credit to guys like T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, CJ Ozama. And so both these teams essentially kind of succeeded in doing what Ryan Pace failed to do. Now for the bears moving forward, I think the big lesson to learn is that you need to continue to overhaul and just revamp the offensive line. And there's something to be said, and I've said this on other podcasts too, is that Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham are former offensive linemen. So you know that the bears are going to continue to invest in the offensive line. And then you also have Matt Eberflus who just got done spending four years in Indianapolis where they emphasize the trenches heavily on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And so now for the first time in what feels like forever, the bears are going to build a football team from inside out because this team, unfortunately has basically sat on their hands and, you know, the offensive line for the bears was not just an issue throughout the pace and Nagy era. It was an issue when Jay Cutler was here. It was an issue when Mitch Trubisky was here. You know, it was an issue when guys like Mike Glennon were starting. It was a seriously an issue going back to like the Grossman as well as the Kyle Orton days. And so, because the bears would always just say, Hey, we're just going to sit on our hands. Whatever we have is completely fine. So ultimately, you know, when you look at the super bowl, I think the bears can learn a lot. And one of the big things that they can learn is better have an offensive line. But a second big thing I think the bears can certainly learn is that you need to be able to draft and develop those mid round picks and, do not overlook the undrafted free agent pool because really good coaching can get the best out of those 
day two, day three, as well as those undrafted free agents. And we saw the Rams, you know what? There were a couple day two, day three picks like a Jordan Fuller or some of their linebackers too, you know, that really came in and made a big difference. And so do people criticize the Rams for their lack of draft capital? Yeah. I mean, you could have argued the exact opposite way too, that Les Snead, if it doesn't pay off, he's going to look like an idiot, right? Because he was so focused on the championship win now window. Now it did pay off. What happens in five, six years, we're not going to talk about that right now because the NFL is such a live in the moment win now type league. Your windows are so short. I mean, just three to, I say just two seasons ago, as I wrap up here, we were talking about the Rams Super Bowl window possibly being closed because Jared Goff was an obstacle. And what did Sean McVay do? He went out and basically reopened that Super Bowl window by trading for Matt Stafford. And so just the ability to adapt and change also sticks out as a third lesson I think the Bears can certainly draw from. Because again, what did we see under Pace as well as Nagy and more so Pace than Nagy is that he would just be stuck in his ways. And as a result, when you're stuck in your ways, and you don't adjust and adapt. You are effectively setting yourself back, not just for one year, but for three, four, five years to come. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I like the I like the points that you brought up there, like the offensive line. I would add building up your offensive weapons because uh, we really saw I mean, both these teams, their seasons really depended on guys like Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase making big plays for them on offense and, and putting points on the board. So I, I would add that too in terms of, you know, you talk about the offensive line, but also building up your weaponry as well on offense. That's another thing that is really important for these young quarterbacks, especially to help them develop and really maximize their potential. Um, but I, I like the last point you made about adapting and I'll add to this in terms of adapting when it comes to the Rams, uh, not being afraid to be bold. And, you know, when we think about the Rams and their, uh, their overall strategy in terms of building their team over the past few years, I know everyone makes uh, the, the memes and the jokes about how less need the GM for the Rams um, doesn't care about draft picks. He's, he's trained them all away. He just wants proven star talent. He wants to load up on those type of guys, which is true. I mean, when you look at what they've done. They haven't had a first round pick uh, since Jared Goff, I think in 2016, they've been aggressive in terms of training those guys for proven commodities and, you know, thinking that's the better, best way to kind of build their team as they trade away their high draft picks for proven players because you know even though a first round pick is valuable it's still a 50 50 shot that you're getting a proven difference maker so why not use that to get a proven difference maker it's worked out for them and it's worked out for them pretty much every single time they've done it i mean the first time we saw them do it was uh trading away first round pick for brandon cooks that worked out for them he was a really good receiver for them for the few years they had him they they ended up uh flipping him for a second round pick then um near the end of his tenure there with the rams uh they did the same thing again with Jalen Ramsey, giving up two first round picks for him. And that's paid off wonders uh, as he's been one of the best elite cornerbacks in the NFL, huge difference maker for their defense. One of the pillars of their defense. And then of course this past year uh, trading for Matthew Stafford, giving up two first round picks to upgrade at the quarterback position. So um, every single time they've made a big swing like that, it, it's worked out for them. But the other thing I'll add for the Rams is you, you bring up being efficient with, your mid-round draft picks and being affected there um you know the rams uh they've been one of the better teams in the nfl in terms of building up their roster through the draft and i know they give up a lot of draft picks early but uh you look at what they've done as an organization is 
Uh, yeah, they give up a lot of their early for early first round picks, but they're constantly acquiring and accumulating draft capital whether it be through trade downs, accumulating compensatory picks, uh, trading away proven players to get more draft picks, all that type of stuff. They've been doing it to consistently churn the roster with young talent and support their veteran roster uh, on the big swings that they do make with guys on cheaper contracts. Like I look at the stat, I, I think the stat is that over the last five years, they've had at least nine draft picks or an average of nine draft picks in every single draft. So yeah, even though they're not having first round picks, they're still getting a ton of swings every single year to add young talent and young cost control talent to the roster to supplement some of the guys that are on bigger contracts um, on their, on their cap sheet. And that's a strategy where it's really paid off for them. And, you know, I, I saw one staff the other day that was shared. I think they're six in the NFL this past year in homegrown talent. So, you know, again, we make fun of them for giving up a lot of draft picks, but they still understand the value that the draft is really important for building up your roster and building up depth and young talent um, that can be used for the, on the cheap. And it's one of the things that is, been one of the more interesting ways that they built their team is because again, they really value having that star power on both sides of the ball and veteran talent on both sides of the ball, but the core of their team and the way that they've kind of built up the depth on their team is still, I think what we talk about all the time, you know, building up draft capital, trading back in the draft, uh, looking to get as many swings at the plate as possible. I think that's one of the things that the Rams have done a really nice job of. And it, and it really paid off for them in this past year because, again, they made a bunch of bullet swings this past year, whether it be the Matthew Stafford trade and then trading for Von Miller in the midseason. And right now we're seeing, this, we're seeing it pay dividends because uh, they trade away those uh, early first round and second round and third round picks. But you know what? They had the additional support of having a lot of young guys on the roster that stepped up for them this year and – we saw that come to fruition. You know, Van Jefferson was a guy that stepped up for them uh, this year at the wide receiver position. Uh, we saw, I believe, in the Super Bowl, Bryson Hopkins, a, a third-round pick for them a couple of years ago. He stepped up for them um, when they had some tight ends go down with some injuries. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they had some other young guys step up for them. So I think it was a complete team effort for the Rams this year, and we saw a lot of what they did really came to fruition this year. So congrats to the Rams, and, you know, I, we bring this up in terms of learning these lessons today because um, as we switch to the main topic of our podcast in this episode, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we can use these lessons for, for what we're doing today, and that is talking about our first mock draft of the 2022 draft season for the Chicago Bears. So how can we use these lessons for our mock drafts today? Well, we're going to get into it right now, you said. So uh, a couple of things before we get into our mock drafts for us today. Um, we're going to lay down a couple of uh, ground rules that we use for our mock drafts. For one, uh, we both use the same mock draft simulator, uh, the PFF mock draft simulator, Pro Football Focus. So uh, that was a simulator that we used, and we just did that for a consistency stake. I mean, they have all the compensatory picks models uh, figured out. So the draft picks are accurate in terms of who's getting what picks. Um, they have it accurate in terms of um, just having a similar way that they grade their process, prospects and where the prospects are going in the draft. And we kind of, you know, kind of play with uh, the models of, you know, whether you want uh, the, the mock draft simulation to value certain positions, positions of need for some teams, all that type of stuff. You can play with that a little bit, but for consistency's sake, it kind of goes to keeping it consistent for us when we're doing these mock drafts. Um, and we're just not using different sites and um, having some differences there in terms of who's going where in the, in the simulation and all that stuff. And then the last thing before we get into this here, uh, no trades in this mock draft. So this is our first mock draft. We're going to probably do one, maybe two more over the course of this offseason before the 2022 NFL draft in April. But for this first one, we're just sticking with the picks that the Bears have right now. Uh, just to keep it a little bit simple right here and just kind of show you guys a scenario where let's say the bears can't work out any deals to acquire more draft capital, whether it be trading down in the draft or maybe trading away a player like a David Montgomery in the last year of his contract, for instance, uh, to get an additional pick. You know, you know, if that doesn't come to fruition, this is what the bears have to work with. So uh, without a further ado, 
let's just get into this. You said I'll start off with you starting in the second round. The Bears, no first round pick this year, of course, because of the Justin Fields trade. So their first pick in this draft is the second round pick, the 39th overall selection in the 2022 NFL draft. And you said, where did you go in this direction for your draft pick here? Well, I went with building the trenches and Ryan Poles being a guy from Boston College, I thought it was going to be important to kind of go back to those Boston College roots and then bring in an offensive lineman. So I went with Zion Johnson. You know, I really like Zion Johnson just because I think that over the last couple of seasons, he's certainly become a core piece of this Eagles offensive line. And you know what? Two seasons he spent at left guard, but he's also got experience playing left tackle. You look at someone who's about six foot three, 317 pounds. Listen, that there, I think at the NFL combine, he's going to test when it comes to his arm length. However, he tests could determine how NFL teams view him moving forward. Now, I do think that when you look at him, he plays with a lot of power, which is certainly important. You know, he's a really smart physical blocker. And I do think that his body certainly needs to improve at times, but there's definitely enough flashes there to where you look and say, maybe he needs some time to develop into an ideal left tackle, but certainly I think he is a day one starting guard. So Zion Johnson, I think is certainly a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, before I get into my selection, I just want to make it clear that we have not seen each other's mock drafts yet. So we're going into this completely blind here in terms of you know who each of us has selected here. And the reason I mention that is because with my first pick in the draft at that round two selection, 39th overall, I ended up picking Zion Johnson as well, um, interior offensive lineman out of Boston College. So a lot of things that uh, you said, you just said in terms of you know the natural power he has, um, you know, all advertised there. And I think this is a guy who uh, has started, I believe, three years at Boston College and, you know, has been, had a lot of success. He's been an all ACC team guy all three years. He's been a starter. And what I like about Zion Johnson in terms of his fit with the Bears here is the versatility that he has. So obviously he's gotten most of his starts at left guard at Boston College. But during, I believe it was his junior year, but it was definitely in the 2020 season. I don't know if that was his junior year or senior year or whatever it was. I think it was his junior year. Uh, but during the 2020 season, he actually got most of his starts at left tackle. I think he got all of his starts at left tackle that season. So uh, he started off at left guard, kicked out the left tackle, uh, was pretty successful there, and had, was an all-ACC player at left tackle. And then he moved back inside to left guard in this past year at 2021. And what I like about that is he just shows – uh, the level of versatility that he has uh, to play multiple positions at the senior bowl. He was at the senior bowl down in mobile uh, this past uh, couple of weeks ago, and they had him playing a lot of center at the senior bowl. So, I mean, you look at him right now and he, and he looked pretty good at the senior bowl in terms of playing center. Um, I mean, there are a couple of things that he needs to work on from a technical standpoint at center, but in terms of the physical ability to play the position, uh, he showed that in a, in a quick turnaround situation where he's getting a lot of reps there that he could play that spot pretty efficiently and pretty well. So, you know, Zion Johnson, we talk about versatility. That's what he can bring to the table for the bears here in the second round, a guy who, who could legitimately play all five positions on the offensive lines, what you're potentially looking at. Now, obviously his best fit is at guard where, you know, I think his footwork is not really great on the outside and pass protection. Um, well, I will, I will say this. I think his pass protection did uh, improve a lot because of his experience at left tackle um, because, you know, he had to work on getting into natural pass sets and not just, you know, standing straight up after uh, the snap where, you know, inside uh, it's a little bit easier in pass protection because you're working in a little bit of more of a phone booth area. Whereas on the edge, you know, you have to gain depth in your drop. Uh, you got to be able to defend multiple access points for the edge rusher. And there's, there's an element of, you know, trying to keep the edge rusher from, uh, getting around the edge within a certain yard length because of the quarterback's drop. So I think a lot of that stuff helped Zion uh, Johnson's development in terms of uh, polishing up his technique a little bit and working on his pass protection fundamentals. And you saw that uh, this past year, especially in Mobile, Alabama, uh, he's got really sound pass protection technique, especially working out of the as a guard. Uh, he's got a really solid base, uh, doesn't get overextended there. He's, you know, he's got a well-balanced position with his footwork there uh keeps a low squat uh form throughout the rep when you see him play 
and really strong anchor. That's the, probably the thing that stood out to me the most from Zion Johnson. Uh, you know, very rarely did he get bull rush back into the quarterback. Very rarely is he a guy that's going to get uh, exposed by a lack of power. So that was something that was really exciting to see. He's got pretty good arm length, arm length for a guard. I think he's got 34 inch arms, I believe, which was, which was measured at the senior bowl. And I mean, that's pretty decent for a tackle. Even uh, the fact that he's got that as a guard. I mean, again, that kind of goes to the versatility thing where, I mean, yeah, he's better as a guard in terms of his body type and the way that uh, his athleticism is molded, but he does have that physical ability to play at tackle and not completely uh, get exposed out there because of a lack of arm length, so to speak. So he's got that, you know, all the physical tools to be a very versatile piece on your offensive line. And again, I think when you look at the bears here and the offense are trying to run with Luke Getze coming in as the offensive coordinator. Um, one guy I compare Zion Johnson to a little bit. I mean, not quite a perfect comparison because uh, the guy I'm comparing him to is one of the best offensive linemen in all of football right now. And that's Elton Jet Jenkins of the Green Bay Packers. And I bring that up because Luke Getze, um, obviously, quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator for uh, the Packers for over the last three years. And when you look at the last three years, I mean, that's been the time that Elton Jenkins has been there for the Packers. And Jenkins has kind of been that guy for uh, the Packers in terms of playing all five positions for them. You know, he played left guard. That's his main position, but he's played center for them quite a bit. Uh, He was playing left tackle and right tackle this past year, has that ability to do that too at a high level. So I just look in terms of a, um, in terms of a promising evaluation, in terms of the upside you're looking at, I think uh, Zion Johnson, there's a lot of Elton Jenkins in terms of uh, the best he could potentially be. Um, if he's not at that level, though, I mean, that's that's fine for a second-round pick. I still think he can be a very dang good player. Again, Elton Jenkins is an all-pro level talent at multiple different spots. So I, I'm really excited about Zion Johnson and what he could bring to the Bears if he drops all the way to 39, because I think it's possible that he could go a little bit higher. But as of right now, I think this is a solid value for uh, Zion Johnson. And it's just kind of funny that we're both starting off the, the uh, our mock drafts here with the same player. So let's go to the third round here, the 71st overall selection in the draft. Uh, you said, where did you go with this pick? I think it's time to continue investing in Justin Fields, knowing that going into the offseason, you've only got Darnell Mooney and Daz Newsome under contract at the wide receiver position. So I went ahead and drafted Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore. I understand he's only 5'10", 190 pounds. On the surface, a lot of people are going to look at those measurables and say, well, this is just someone that's going to be a prototypical slot receiver in the NFL. But I think after watching more and more tape on Sky Moore, it's very clear that He's going to be an impact player in the NFL. He just needs to be given an opportunity. Now, what I like about him is this, is I think he's a really good route runner. His hands are really, really good. I would compare them and say they're kind of like magnets because he was highly productive throughout his college career. Those really rock solid hands, just the ability to haul in pretty much any catch that was thrown his way really showed that this is someone that despite some inconsistent quarterback play throughout college, he's going to come in and be a impact player from day one. I would even argue and say that if he lands in a situation where there's a consistent quarterback, he's going to show in training camp, he can be a plug and play wide receiver. And then another thing that just sticks out to me regarding sky Moore is the ability to separate. Now there are times where he's not the best at it, but certainly he's been someone that's kind of one up a lot of defensive backs over the last couple of years in college. Now I will say this is that I think sky Moore, when it comes to run after the catch, he's not necessarily the greatest now run after catch yards are certainly valuable after, or I'm sorry, yards after the catch run after the catch, they're interchangeable terms, but they're real valuable in today's NFL. You know, you look at all these speedy slot receivers. What's one thing that they have in common, they're able to get the ball in space and then just continue to operate and pick up an additional 10 to 15 yards. And then overall, when you look at Sky Moore, I just think that the vibe you get from him is that he's a really smart and instinctive football player who mentally understands defensive coverages, as well as just type of leverages that defensive backs play with. And so if the Bears can get their hands on someone like Sky Moore in the second or the third round, let's say, you know, because I do see him as being a very early riser in the draft process, he's going to become someone that I think immediately develops chemistry with Justin Fields and end up becoming Fields' friend for the next couple of seasons. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, Sky Moore's been a guy that I think Draft Twitter has uh, quickly had a little bit of a draft crush with, and I think he's a guy that's going to be consistently rising up teams' draft boards as we go further along in the process, and I, and I, and I agree with you, Sky Moore, uh, there's a lot to like about him as being a true weapon in the slot. Um, very subtle, good route runner. Has he, well, he's not necessarily a burner, has the ability to beat guys deep in terms of uh, some of those slot fade routes, um, you know, working his way to the boundaries of the sideline and some of those uh, outbreaking routes there. Uh, there's a lot to like about his game. So Sky Moore, I, I agree. Um, there's a lot to like um, about his fit with the Justin Fields being in the 71st slot um, in this draft. And in terms of my draft selection here, I agree. Uh, going to wide receiver here was the most natural thing. And I was considering drafting a wide receiver in the second round, I won't lie. Um, but I felt like, you know, Zion Johnson, there's a bit of a drop off between him and the next couple of offensive linemen that were available at that spot. And when you look at the wide receivers in this draft, there are a ton of really talented wide receivers on day two. Uh, in this draft. So I felt like I could get a wide receiver in the third round. If, you know, if a guy fell to me, I, I felt pretty confident that a guy was going to fall to me. And it just so happened that I was able to get one of my more favorite uh, wide receivers in this draft class in terms of day two guys. And that's Jalen Tolbert, uh, wide receiver out of South Alabama. So Jalen Tolbert, Tolbert, another guy that was at the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama a couple of weeks ago, and a little bit of a different uh, physical profile than a guy like Sky Moore. Sky Moore, a bit more of a undersized, slot guy uh a guy who's quicker than fast who can get open and separate uh but not a guy who's necessarily a burner down the field well tolbert uh he's a guy at about six foot one uh 200 pounds uh he is a pure outside deep threat wide receiver and you look at him um and what he did uh at south alabama a guy who consistently averaged about 17 18 yards per reception um during his last two seasons at south alabama a guy who consistently show that he can beat teams over the top, uh, beat defenses and, and stress out defenses uh, with his speed and ability to make acrobatic catches down the sideline. That was one of the uh, things that really impressed me is that not only does this guy have the ability to beat you over the top, but if he doesn't beat you over the top and he has to make a contested catch, uh, he's got a very nice catch rate is to make tough grabs along the sideline, whether it be uh, back shoulder, whether it be jump balls or whether it's be, it be, you know, a deep ball down the sideline where he's in a little bit of a tight window, tight coverage. You know, he has the length in his arms and the jumping ability to get up and just go and get it. And those are just really some intriguing uh, traits to have uh, for a wide receiver like him on the outside. And additionally, he's also got a little bit more juice in terms of uh, quickness, agility, and explosiveness in and out of his breaks than you'd expect for a taller guy, taller, lengthier receiver like him. Um, he's not just a guy who runs fast down the field. He does have the ability, I think, to actually run uh, nuanced routes and get open in the short to intermediate part of the field and make plays after the catch. So Jalen Tolbert, I think he's a guy who, you know, we'll see what the Bears do to address the wide receiver position in free agency because I do think they're going to be very aggressive at bringing in wide receivers for Justin Fields to throw the ball to. But Jalen Tolbert, Tolbert, to me, he's a guy that can contribute right away and depending on the way he develops, I think he could be someone who's a perfect complement uh, for Darnell Mooney, who Darnell Mooney, more of a smaller guy who uh, moves around a little bit as that natural Z, you know, play in the slot a little bit, uses quickness underneath um, and, and get passes short and get yards after the catch while also being a dangerous deep threat in his own right 
Jalen Tolbert is that natural outside receiver who has a little bit more length, a little bit more of a catch radius, a little bit more, I wouldn't say physicality, but ability to make tough contested catches uh, than a guy like Darnell Mooney. Um, So Jalen Tolbert, Darnell Mooney, two young, fast wide receivers for Justin Fields to throw the ball to down the field. Um, I I think it's a perfect complement for Justin Fields' skill set. You know, Justin Fields is one of the more accurate deep ball passers in the NFL this past season, even as a rookie. So uh, pairing him now with two fast wide receivers who can do a variety of different things for you, um, I I think that's a good fit for this offense and what Luke Getze wants to do. I think it's a good fit for what Justin Fields likes to do as a quarterback, as a guy who aggressively wants to throw the ball down the field. So right there, you look at our day two picks. Uh, both of us going with Zion Johnson in the second round and then going wide receiver here in the third round. Uh, let's move on to some of the other picks in this draft. Um, so the Bears, they did not have a fourth round pick because of the aforementioned Justin Fields trade, but they do have two fifth round picks in this draft. Uh, one of them is their own draft pick and the other one uh, is a result of a prior trade where they traded uh, the Houston Texans, Anthony Miller, and a seventh round pick in this draft class to the Houston Texans for uh, the fifth round pick that is uh, currently the one that we're going to be talking about right here, the 144th selection uh, in this 2022 NFL draft. So with the first fifth round pick here at, at pick 144, you said, where did you go for this one? I went back to wide receiver just because the way that the board fell for me, I felt like picking another wide receiver and adding to that room honestly made the most sense because when and I want to take a step back here before I reveal my pick. But what I find to be very interesting when you kind of get into day late day two, early day three, and middle parts of day three in this draft as well is that the talent at positions like cornerback or even you could argue defensive line, it's not as good, especially in terms of depth, as we've seen over the last couple seasons. And so I'm not going to say the Bears' hands are going to be tied, but there's certainly an opportunity here where you could see the Bears just double down on certain players or certain positional groups, I should say, not because it's a need, but also because it's just the way that the board falls. But with that said, with the 144th overall pick, I did go with wide receiver Reggie Roberson Jr. from SMU. I know I've talked about him just a bit on Twitter and other social media platforms. I find him to be interesting because he's about six feet tall, 200 pounds, not the greatest route runner, but there certainly is enough room for improvement there. And then I really like his hands. I think that In terms of his separation, he's really able to get out of his breaks with ease. Got really good ball skills. Well, I think what sticks out about his ball skills is not just the rock-solid hands. It's also the ability to just continuously track the football in the air. And being six feet tall, 200 pounds, he's able to basically use his big frame to go ahead and take advantage of wide receivers. Now, when I look at his verse just where he's going to fit in an offense, the versatility sticks out because he's someone that you could certainly move all around the field. You could stick him inside, you could stick him outside. And then ultimately the biggest thing that sticks out and what I think makes him an ideal fit for the bears offense is just his ability to be a big play threat and be a vertical threat on necessarily any doubt. Now, how that fits into Justin Fields. Well, I'll break that down for you guys too. If you look at Justin Fields, you know what guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave were his best friends at Ohio state. And Justin would always be looking for the big play no matter what the case was. Now, obviously, his first year in the NFL, he had to basically learn the big play's always not going to be there. I am just going to have to go short to intermediate to deep sometimes, not deep intermediate to short like I'm used to. But adding a guy like a Roberson who has that ability to be a big play threat on any given down or any given situation, I think is going to let Justin Fields develop into a more natural passer. And just kind of get more comfortable with the rigors and speed of the NFL game. Yeah, certainly double dipping in the wide receiver position. I think that's a, a good thing for the Bears to do. They need to add more talent there. So I can see Roberson uh, making a ton of sense in the fifth round um, because of, like you said, that vertical ability, the ability to get deep and, and make big plays uh, certainly fits very well with Justin Fields, like I kind of mentioned with Tolbert a little bit earlier. Uh, as for me, with the 144th selection, uh, the 2022 NFL draft, I went to the defensive side of the ball here for the first time and adding some talent for Matt Eberflus's defense in the secondary specifically. The Bears 
Uh, they had one of the worst cornerback rooms outside of Jalen Johnson in the NFL last season. Kendall Villador did not fare well on the outside. Uh, Thomas Grant showed some things late in the year, but uh, as a six-round pick, you don't rely on him too much to step up and be that guy. You want to continue to add talent to that group and especially young talent to that group to kind of grow with a guy like Jalen Johnson, who is probably going to get paid um, after this next upcoming season to get a contract extension. So you got to be prepared to have some young, cheap talent on the roster, kind of support him a little bit once he gets the big contract. So uh, in the fifth round, uh, I went to, with a guy out of Clemson, Mario Goodrich, cornerback from Clemson. And Mario Goodrich, a guy who uh, only one year of starting experience at Clemson, but you watch some of the things that he does. Uh, a guy who has good size at six feet tall, about 190 pounds. So he's a little bit on the skinnier side. But what I like about him is that you know, he's got pretty good length, which is very important in Ibrahus' defense. Uh, that's one of the things that he emphasized with the Colts is uh, he's got to have length, ar- long arms, lengthy guys at every single position on the field because you know, that helps with uh, reducing passing lanes in the passing game uh, for defensive backs and, and linebackers. Uh, it helps create situations where you can force more fumbles by you know wrapping up, tackling, and, and punching the ball out. Uh, so having long, guys with long arms kind of helps out with that. And it just helps with in terms of dislodging from, from blocks, uh, being able to have more range in terms of your tackling radius, um, all that stuff. So Mario Goodrich, he's got pretty good length for a position um, as a six-foot corner. Um, very natural, fluid athlete who I think does his best work going downhill, um, whether it be in zone coverage or playing the run. Uh, this is a guy who not only is he a pretty natural, fluid athlete, but I mean, we talk about Iberflus. Uh, that hits mindset that he's bringing to the Bears. Um, And what he wants to bring on defense is a mindset of being physical and hustling to the ball at at all times. And that's something that Mario Goodrich does very well. He's a very physical tackler, uh, very physical at setting the edge against wide receivers when defending the run. And he's a guy who hustles his his butt off uh, when he's out there playing. So uh, Goodrich, not only does he have the athleticism and ability to uh, be a good cover guy, in terms of multiple different schemes, he can play in zone. He's very smart in terms of that aspect of things, in terms of uh, knowing route combinations and jumping routes and um, you know playing physical on wide receivers at the catch point. But also in man, he has the fluid athleticism and ability to flip his hips, um, the ability to stick with guys in man coverage just enough uh, to make you know contested catches a little bit more difficult in that aspect of things and not get burned all the time. Now, he still is a bit unproven. Um, Because, again, he only has that one year of experience, and there's just not a ton of tape of him uh, going up against elite wide receivers at the collegiate level to know uh, where he's exactly at. And it's possible that, you know, teams may see his physical profile if he tests really well, which I expect him to do um, at his pro day or at the combine, um, that he could go a little bit higher. But as of right now, he's about a fifth to fourth round value. And I think this would be an absolute steal for the Bears here if he were to fall to them here in the fifth round because – um, while I wouldn't expect him to start right away, uh, with the lack of talent in the secondary that the Bears do have, there is a path for him to get some playing time early. And it would not surprise me whatsoever if he were to get picked here by the Bears for him to be playing sooner rather than later on the outside. So Goodrich, a guy that I really like, and I think he's a perfect fit for uh, what Iberflus would want to build uh, in the secondary, in that cornerback room specifically um, alongside Jalen Johnson. Um, but as for the uh, second fifth round pick that the Bears have, I'll go to you, Usain, once again. Uh, who was your selection at pick 148? So the Bears need a true three technique anchoring the middle of Matt Eberflus's 4-3 defense. I went ahead and decided to go to the University of Oklahoma. I went with Sooners interior defensive lineman. Um, his name, Jalen Redman. I think he's a really intriguing player just overall. Now, I understand one of the big things to keep in mind with Jalen Redman is that he does, he's a bit undersized, right? But then when you do get to these later rounds, he's certainly someone that you want to keep an eye on as a player that did have six and a half quarterback sacks. And I believe he had like 13 or 14 tackles for loss the last time he really played a full season, which was in 2019. Now, the big thing to understand with Redman, and I see him slipping far, is simp down in the draft, is because he is not the greatest athlete on the planet, but he does have enough mobility to kind of anchor down that three tech spot in a true 4 3 defense. He does need to get better when it comes to kind of, you know, accelerating off the ball 
and then just eating up some of these offensive linemen. But I do think that overall, when you look at him, he is a pretty good run stopper and he does create additional opportunities for the pass rushers and other defensive linemen around him. So ultimately when you look at it, right, I think, Jalen Richmond, or I'm sorry, Jalen Redmond's an interesting name to just keep an eye on in the fifth round. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, certainly that three technique, the defensive line, it's a very important aspect of Iberflus' defense and Again, it's going to be a different shift here because the Bears, while you know, uh, nickel is the new base in the NFL, it, it's not a 3 4 4 3 league anymore. The type of fronts that these defensive coordinators employ are different depending on the type of system that you're in. So, in certain schemes, having that three technique that can uh, stop the run and get after the pass, get after the passer, and get upfield against the, against the pass is a little bit more important in some of these uh, defenses like Iberflus where it's four down linemen all the time, as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a traditional Fangio style defense where it's three, four base, where your defensive ends are five techniques who have to be a little bit longer, uh, more two gapper run stopping type of guys who can push the pocket um, when it comes to defending the pass. So um, going to three technique there makes a lot of sense in the fifth round. Uh, as for me, with my second fifth round pick here at pick 148, I stayed in the trenches, but I went back to the offensive side of the ball to address that once again. And I went with uh, offensive tackle uh, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Now, Tyler Smith, uh, he's a really fun player to watch. Draft Twitter um, is already hyped up about this guy. And I've talked to a couple of guys here. Um, Brandon Robinson, a friend of the show that we had on uh, last week, talked about the senior bull, Robert Schmitz over at the WCG. I've uh, been talking to them in private conversation they, and they probably uh, set, spent, uh, sent out a couple of clips of the guy uh, to kind of talk him up a little bit, but they absolutely love Tyler Smith. And I get it because this guy uh, he's mean, he's physical, he plays with an edge and he's looking to physically dominate his opposition every single snap that he's out there and playing. So a little bit about his background here, uh, multiple year starter for Tulsa at the left tackle position. Um, and he really put it all together in his final year at Tulsa, he was one of the best graded tackles uh, in all college football, according to PFF, uh, for those who put a lot of stock in their grades and, and how they rank these guys. Uh, he was very, very good last year. Um, and what I like about Tyler Smith is that he's got that kind of prototypical prototypical build as a 6'5 guy, uh, good arm length, uh, very thickly built. 322 pounds is what he's listed at at Tulsa. And uh, it, you can see it on tape. The guy is very physical. He's very hard to move uh, when he's anchored and his technique is right in pass protection. Uh, in the run game, again, like I said, this guy's mean. He's looking to get pancakes pretty much every single block that he's got out there. He's got enough functional athleticism to play uh, in space as well. So I think he's a guy who can run uh, the outside zone scheme that the Bears are going to be employing in the run game here uh, with Luke Getze coming in to kind of run that uh, Shanahan style run game where you know it's outside zone play action off of it uh, Tyler Smith he's got more than enough athleticism to execute that now there are some issues with Tyler Smith and the reason why he's a fifth round draft uh, prospect in this map draft simulation you know I think it's possible that he goes a little bit higher into the fourth maybe even third round depending on uh, how he tests uh, in the upcoming months of the pro day and the combine uh, because of you know what he brings to the table on tape as a finisher in the run game and, and some of the physical attributes he has. Uh, but depending on how teams view him uh, will depend on where he goes in the draft. Because if you, if you view him purely as a tackle, uh, I think this is an accurate spot of where he would go if you purely see him as just a tackle because um, he's got lots, a lot of things to work on in pass protection. Um, one of the things that I saw is that he doesn't really have a natural kick slide on the stands. He kind of has a tendency to to have choppy steps. And um, I, I kind of describe it as a false step out of a stance where it kind of gives the edge rusher a chance to get the edge on him. Now he does a nice job of recovering and pushing the guy around uh, 
the tackle box around the edge of the quarterback to kind of keep him clean. But against NFL caliber athletes and edge rushers that are quicker off the snap, a little bit more explosive, um, have a little bit more bend around the corner. He's going to be, he's going to struggle against those guys early on in his career, just because the footwork is a little bit messy right now. Yeah. He has a tendency to play very high in his chest. He has a tendency to let guys get into his chest, um, which goes up against his natural power. He has the natural power to kind of anchor and re-anchor when that happens. But again, against NFL pass rushers that can convert speed to power, he's going to have a hard time for that. And because of that reason, I like him inside at guard a little bit better where he can use his nastiness in the run game, where he can use his physicality and movement skills uh, to be a really natural fit on the inside. Now, I know we drafted a guard earlier in the draft with Zion Johnson, uh, but here's the thing. Tyler Smith, he's a little bit more of a developmental prospect at this point in time. Zion Johnson, a guy who can start right away. We don't know what the Bears are doing with James Daniels, whether he's leaving the free agency. Uh, we don't know what they're doing at center, whether they're going to bring in a guy like you know Ryan Jensen or, or Brian Allen from uh, the Rams. Uh, or they could move Cody Whitehair to center for, for all we know. We don't know how they view this offensive line. Uh, all I know is right now the only quality starter um, under contract for the Bears is Cody Whitehair, who is just so happening to come off of one of his worst seasons as a Bear. So I don't know how long Cody Whitehair is going to be on the roster. I think he's approaching 30 years of age. So age certainly getting up there, his contract, I think the Bears are going to want to get out of that as soon as possible because uh, Whitehair – isn't quite giving you that bang for buck that you want for what he's getting paid as a player compared to the production he's offered the bears over the past couple of years. Um, so it's a situation where if you're trying to rebuild the offensive line with Ryan Poles, uh, you know, that Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm were drafted last year. Now you're getting two guys on the interior here um, who, who can develop here and you hope can be building blocks for your offense moving forward. And I think Tyler Smith, uh, if given the time to develop, uh, he's got loads of potential at guard. I think he could work at tackle, but at guard, I think he's got some special traits to work with. And it's just a matter of time before I think um, if he gets into the right situation, uh, he could be a starter down the road um, in the right scheme and the right fit. And I think the Bears have a good situation for him to come in and develop and be a really good player. Uh, so let's get to the final pick of this draft here. You said uh, in the sixth round, pick 185, the Bears' last selection in this draft. Again, they only have five selections here. Uh, we talked about trading down quite a bit. Again, we hope the Bears can accumulate more draft capital, but as it stands right now, they don't make any trades. This is it for the Bears here in the sixth round. So uh, what direction did you go here in the sixth round for uh, the final pick of this mock draft? Well, I went with an offensive tackle from North Dakota State University that I've had my eye on for basically two years now because I remember last year at this – well, last year it was like October, November, December, and one of the guys I was discussing was Cordell Volson from North Dakota State University being one of the guys who had essentially protected Trey Lance's blindside for at least just one year in North Dakota State. But, look, what sticks out to me about Volson is the fact that, you know, he's a – decent athlete it's not great by any means he's not going to blow you away but being about six foot six 319 pounds you certainly see the prototypical frame needed to play either left tackle or right tackle in the nfl now i certainly think his best fit in the nfl is going to come as a right tackle he's really a mauler he's someone who basically imposes his will on defensive linemen as well as linebackers if he needs to I think that when you look at it certainly he's going to be the type of player that fits into a run first offense rather than a pass first offense now is he able to move laterally at a high level absolutely not but with the right coaching and the right fit, he is someone that has more than enough upside to develop into a solid NFL starter. And I really liken Volson to a guy like a Mitchell Schwartz, for example, who may not be the greatest athlete on the planet, may not be the greatest pass blocker, but is really good as a run blocker, really good in the running game. And then just hands down when it comes to every single rep, continues to win with basic fundamental good technique rather than being overly flashy yeah Wilson is an interesting player like like you kind of mentioned I think his better fit would be at right tackle or maybe kicking inside the guard um like you kind of mentioned a limited kind of athlete um coming from a smaller school in North Dakota State but very successful program very good at building up offensive lines there at North Dakota State uh, we know they had Dylan Redunds come out of the draft last year. He was a second round pick. Uh, Volson was his teammate there. So uh, kind of have that relationship there. Um, and a sixth round, I mean, 
keep on taking swings in the offensive line. I think in the sixth round, it's a very uh, solid way to go about it. As for me and my sixth round pick, I went back to, to the uh, defensive side of the ball uh, for my final pick here. And that's going to the safety position to draft JT Woods out of Baylor. So Woods here talking a little bit about him. Uh, he's been a starter for a couple of years for Baylor, or at least a, a high, uh, a highly important contributor for their defense over the past couple of years. And this past season, he led the Big 12 in interceptions. So a playmaker uh, for the Baylor Bears defense. And what I like about him in terms of his fit for the Eberflus scheme, and that's what we have to kind of uh, take into account here for uh, drafting these players, is how do they fit with the Bears and what they're trying to build on both sides of the ball? Well, for Woods, he's kind of a perfect uh, match for uh, what they want out of their safeties. Baylor, Baylor defense, they played a lot of too high shell safeties um, there, and Eberflus, when we look at what he does, he runs a lot of two, two safety high shells as well, where he expected safeties to, whether it be dropping back in cover two or playing downhill um, to support the run game, um, that's what he expects out of his safeties. And JT Woods is perfect for that. He's got enough speed and range to kind of be that rangy guy um, playing, whether they shift to a cover three or in that cover two mold, uh, where he, he can cover some ground and cover um, guys over the top of the defense and, and run sideline to sideline a little bit, but he's also very aggressive at coming up to stop the run and, and make tackles in the alley, so to speak. So while he's a little bit undersized at six foot two, 193 pounds, he's got a very skinny, wiry frame. So will he be able to hold up at the NFL level in terms of injuries? I don't know. Um, is he a guy, you know, he, he has some issues with tackling because of his lack of size. Um, at Baylor, you know, he does make some good efforts and good tackles um, for the most part, but there are going to be times where he gets overpowered and, and bodied by some of these bigger running backs and, and tight ends because he just doesn't have the um, overall girth and physicality to be able to handle these guys at the next level. So that's certainly a worry for him. I don't necessarily think he's a lock to be uh, a starter moving forward for the Bears, but if you're looking to add to the mold of what Iberfus likes, like I said before with Goodrich, he likes long defensive players, especially in the secondary, guys with long arms, guys that can get their hands on footballs, guys that can create opportunities to get turnovers. And that's what Woods is. He's a very good athlete. He's very explosive uh, from a standstill. He covers a lot of ground in a hurry in his first couple of steps. And he has that versatility and coverage to where he can run cover two zone, uh, he can run cover three where he's a single high safety. He can uh, come up and guard crossing routes underneath and, and be try to you know play with some physicality there. He's not afraid to stick his nose into the run game and, and tackle the running back uh, in the box. So he just offers a lot of different things there. And even if he's not a starter, if he can bulk up a little bit, I think he's a guy who would be great on special teams because of his willingness to be a tackler, because of his long arms. Um, and because of his ability to kind of wrap up and get hands on footballs a little bit, um, there's a lot of things that JT Woods can bring to the table here. And like I said before, he's a very explosive athlete. So I think the Bears are looking for more of these guys uh, in the draft to kind of bring these guys into the table here. Woods kind of fits that mold for me, and that's why I like him here in the sixth round. So overall, let's wrap up here our drafts, you say. Um, so one more time, let's go through our drafts and what we think, uh, how we did here in this draft. So you said. Uh, go through your picks one more time and uh, address your overall strategy here and how you think you did. Well, you know, I went ahead and decided that I was going to draft solely based on what needs the Bears would have, just because when you do look at the needs that I went ahead and addressed, they are needs that the Bears have not only in 2022, but you hope that these needs become long-term kind of solutions and you know just fixtures for the bears moving forward but you know the second round i went ahead and took guard zion johnson from boston college in the third round i took wide receiver sky Moore from western michigan the fifth round i took wide receiver reggie Roguson jr from smu southern Methodist university with my first fifth round pick my second fifth round pick i went with defensive lineman Jalen Redmond from Oklahoma and then the sixth round I went with offensive tackle Cordell Volson from North Dakota State and I thought just in terms of if the Bears let's just say they decided to just stick with five picks if they get their hands on a draft class like this I just think that it does bode real well for Chicago moving forward in terms of continuing to build around Justin Fields because what's interesting about my draft and just the way that the board fell is that you're getting 
you know, two potential day ones. Well, I should say you're getting one potential day one starter in Zion Johnson, and then you're getting another possible day one starter in Sky Moore. Reggie Roberson Jr., I think, can be really valuable in rotation. And then Jalen Redmond, Cordell Volson, I think that they're just two prospects that have some high upside. And knowing the way that Matt Eberflus has developed talent over the last couple of years, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I would certainly consider Redmond an intriguing prospect. And then Volson as someone working with offensive line coach Chris Morgan as a name to just continue to watch over the next couple seasons. Yeah, I'd say for me, in terms of my strategy and how I kind of went about addressing it, uh, first of all, looking at my draft in the second round, again, we both had Zion Johnson in the second round, and third round, I had Jalen Tolbert, uh, fifth round, Mario Goodrich, uh, fifth round, Tyler Smith, and then the sixth round, JT Woods. Uh, I mean, for me, I kind of approached this draft in terms of trying to put my mindset in that of Ryan Poles. And what he has Ryan Poles talked about, he's talked about uh, rebuilding this offensive line, adding some more physicality to it, adding some more toughness to it, uh, because we saw too many times just a field's getting knocked to the ground, not getting helped up, not seeing his guys kind of fight for him um, in, in the offensive line group. So bring in some guys in here to kind of rebuild that unit a little bit. I think it's going to be something that Ryan Poles really wants to emphasize here in the draft. And like you kind of said before, he's an offensive, he's a former offensive lineman. So, this is a position he knows. This is a position he wants to address. And that's kind of how I approach things first. I think Ryan Poles in his first draft is going to want to attack that position. So that's what I try to do in this draft. But also continue, continuing to support Justin Fields and getting him weapons. I think this is a position that the Bears are going to address in free agency. But in the third round, you know, this is a position where they don't address it with a big man guy unnecessarily uh, in free agency. They have to address this early in the draft. And um, I, in the third round, I went with Jalen Tolbert because I feel like he's a good fit for what uh, Justin Fields brings to the table as a deep threat passer. Jalen Tolbert is that nice deep threat guy, that tall, lengthy guy on the outside to kind of um, fill that role and be another field stretcher for this offense. And then uh, going to the to the defensive side of the ball, you know, I look at where the resources are tied up with on this defense, you know, a lot of, a lot of big contracts in the front seven, a lot of veterans in the front seven where you feel kind of good, where if they get a couple of supporting pieces here and there in free agency, they can be fine on that side of the ball. But the secondary really needs an influx of young talent and some guys that can come in and play right away. So getting guys like Goodrich and JT Woods, while maybe they're not long-term starters here, um, you know, with the lack of talent so far in that unit, we'll see what happens with free agency. But I feel like there's a lot of um, room for them to move up the, the depth chart and get playing time sooner rather than later. And I like the way they fit Eberflus's mindset of getting long, lengthy, lengthy athletic players who uh, play with physicality, play with toughness, and hustle their butts off every single snap that they're out there. So I think that was a good fit for them. And overall, um, I look at my draft from as a whole. I I, I really liked I, I, like you. I like Zion Johnson as a day one starter. Uh, he can play uh, either guard spot, maybe even center, maybe even right or left tackle, depending on what they want to do there. I, I feel really good about Zion Johnson as a player, and I think he's going to be a very solid pro. I, I think Tolbert's a guy who you know, depending on what the Bears do in frequency, and again, that's going to be a caveat for a lot of these guys. But I think he's someone who could start right away. If not, he's a guy who can be a situational player year one and then eventually develop into a starter because I think he does have that twitchiness, that explosive ability to uh, develop into an all-around, well-rounded wide receiver. And then on day three, I, I really love Tyler Smith as a developmental player. I think he's going to be a starter um, at some point down the line, depending on where he goes. I, I just love his upside. Uh, and then Goodrich and Woods, I think, are both guys that, like I said before, maybe you don't expect them to be starters as day three picks, but – uh, they're going to have a path to the playing field early on, and you know we'll see if they can take advantage of it if they get picked by the Bears in this situation. Uh, but I think it's going to wrap it up for here for us here at Picks for Polls. And what we're going to be doing here for you guys who uh, follow us on social media is uh, we're going to be posting our drafts on our Twitter page um, as soon as this episode drops. So we'll be posting these guys and letting you guys vote on who do you how do you think we did. Uh, in our drafts for this mock draft 1.0 um, you know it'll be just graded a through d uh, we kind of did the same thing a similar thing last year with our mock draft so it's gonna be really fun to see uh, the response that we get on twitter for uh, how you guys view 
our drafts for this first one that we're doing. Again, this is just the first one. Uh, we got plenty of more draft stuff coming up. I think we're going to have one or two more at least uh, mock drafts in the future before the draft in April. So keep it off for that. But for this one, I'm really excited to see how our fans and our listeners kind of view uh, this first mock draft as a whole and what they think of the prospects that uh, we want to bring into the Bears here with this first draft. Um, in terms of our social media, where you can follow us uh, to find that, uh, for all of our listeners here, uh, you can find us um, on Twitter at Picks for Polls. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on all podcasting uh, platforms for us. In terms of social media for you, you said, uh, where can our listeners find you and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Kosho. It's just my first and last name. You can also go ahead and check out my work on the Bear Report. I know I've been lacking with some of the written content lately, but that's going to go ahead and pick back up on the week of February 21st. We're going to have a couple of articles dropping. And then from there on out, guys, it's going to be full on to scouting reports. I'm hoping to do like 50 prospect profiles this year, possibly even more. We'll see how things fall in addition to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. The scouting profiles, that's something that I'm going to be doing as well. Uh, we're going to be trying to bring a lot of draft stuff for you guys on the Bear Report uh, this offseason over the next couple of months. As for me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work at the Bear Report. Uh, once again, doing a lot of draft stuff. I already got my first mock draft out there on the Bear Report, which you can check out. Uh, spoiler alert, it's the same one that I use for this podcast today. So um, call me being lazy there, but uh, it's the same mock draft, same process. Uh, so you can go check that out. If you want to get a little bit more detail on that, you can go check that out on the Bear Report website. Uh, planning on getting a full first round mock draft for the NFL in the next upcoming week or so here. So keep an eye out for that. And of course, prospect breakdowns going to be doing a lot of those as well. Uh, well, overall, it's going to do it for us here at Picks for Polls. I want to thank our listeners once again uh, for tuning in on all podcasting platforms. Uh, you guys have been the best so far this year, and we're looking forward to going full tilt into draft season here. 2021 is over, is officially on to the 2022 NFL draft for us here at Picks for Polls. And we're really excited to uh, get forward with more draft coverage, more prospect interviews, uh, more prospect breakdowns coming up shortly, and more mock drafts in the future, and more news to cover for the draft as we get further and further along in this process here. So without further ado, I want to thank everyone once again. Have a great and safe weekend, everybody. Uh, and you know we'll be seeing you guys next week. Bear down. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.